Good morning, church family, both in person and online. It's so good to see you. And we are just pressing forward in our series. Last Sunday, we looked for spiritual answers to the question, do I really need to go to church? I think we answered it well. But this morning, we continue and we seek spiritual answers to the question, do I really have enough time? And our scripture this morning comes from Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 to 15. Haggai is one of the 12 minor prophets, and we're going to read this passage of scripture together. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, and the scripture will be on the screen behind me uh, on your screens at home. I encourage you to read along with us, as is the custom here at WPA, beginning in verse 3 all the way to verse 15. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, And the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Great reading. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for speaking to us this morning through Haggai chapter 1. And Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to come and grant us understanding today. Give us a big picture view of what you're doing, Lord. Challenge us in the area of time. Lord, time comes so quickly and moves so quickly. It's hard to make the most of every day, every hour, every minute. But Father, I pray that you would be the God today who redeems the lost time, the wasted years, the years that the locusts have eaten. And Father, I pray that you'd give us the 
management skills, Lord, to look into our lives and to investigate and see where we're losing time, where our time is focused on building our own lives and not building your kingdom. So, Father, challenge us in that area today. Father, we seek the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, I seek it in order to preach to your people at WPA. May they hear today the word of the Lord spoken to them, not just a human opinion, Lord, the word of the Lord. And may it be in season for their lives today. Pull us out of apathy and bring us to a point in our lives where we use our time so wisely for a kingdom cause. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said Amen. You may be seated. The question I want to ask you this morning is, what are you and I spending our lives doing? Let's assess this in hours. Let's quantify some of the things we do in our lives and how many hours it takes to do them. On average, a person spends 229,961 hours sleeping. Oh, that's good. We all need our sleep. 32,000 hours, uh, 32,098 hours eating. Amen. See, you laughed at that one. You didn't laugh at sleeping. See? 37,935 hours driving. Wow, that's a lot of hours. 90,360 hours working. And nobody's really happy about that for some reason. 80,460. 86 hours work, uh, watching television. Oh, man, that's a lot of TV hours. And about 6,000 to 12,000 hours uh, cleaning. Who likes cleaning? Not me. Now, let me ask you a challenging question. How much time will you spend on God during your lifetime? If we were to calculate all the hours that you spend with God, maybe one hour a week, maybe one hour a day, if we tally those up and we, we calculate it, what would those numbers be? Would those numbers pale in comparison to these numbers that I've listed to you, or would they be much more? See, in the Western world that we live in, we have believed the myth that we do not have enough time. And the last time I checked... There are still 365 days in a year. There are still 24 hours in a day. There are still 60 seconds in a minute. Nothing has changed. Same time. But it is not time that has changed, but we have failed to be accountable to ourselves and to God for the way we spend our time. Time is the one thing you lose and you cannot regain. Once it's passed, friends, it's gone. And if we're honest, perhaps we have wasted a lot of our time on things that do not really matter. I believe, as I prayed, that God is willing to redeem lost time. Do you believe that today? God is willing to redeem lost time. Even though you cannot rewind the tape of your life, even though you cannot time travel and relive those moments in your life, you can still make effective use of what remains. So this morning, I want to highlight three direct quotations taken from Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 to 15, in order to help you assess your time management, address the busyness in your life, and to stir up your spirit towards putting God first priority in your life. 
First point I want to share with you, the first quotation is this, give careful thought to your ways. Can you say that with me this morning? Give careful thought to your ways. We find this in verses five to eight. The scripture says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You see, one day we all will stand before God and we will give account for the way we managed our time. Not just how we lived our lives, but really in detail how we managed our time. And the mismanagement of time has to do a lot with our thoughtlessness about the time that has been entrusted to us. Our time has often been managed in a self-centered way, but what would happen if we managed our time in a God-centered way? See, God wants to help us maximize our time in meaningful ways. With God in our lives, with God leading us and helping us use our time best, we can do great things for God. So for the Israelites, this meant prioritizing God first, and that meant starting with his house. You and I, we live for God's pleasure. We live for God's honor. And the question then is, whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom? Because if you are building your own kingdom, friends, do not expect God to bless it. He will not. God, through Haggai, he provided several examples of the futility of building your own kingdom. You plant much, you harvest little. You eat much, you never have enough. You drink much, you never have your fill. You put on clothes, you never keep warm. You earn wages, you only lose them. Like Ecclesiastes, everything is meaningless. Toil under the sun. See, the Israelites, they had all of their priorities wrong. And later it was Jesus who instructed them in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. What is that saying? Seek first God. That one thing in your life, God alone, one person, and then every little thing in your life will come into its proper place in order. It will be given to you by a generous God. Isn't that credible? Seek first just God. All, instead of seeking all these things, seek one person, and everything comes to you. See, when it comes to your time management, put God first. Do not put God last. Now, let's come back to that question of time. Do you really have enough time? Well, here's the thing. Let's stop making excuses. Of course we have enough time. We are just not making the most of our time. It's a question of efficiency. The better question is, have you given careful thought to your ways? And the phrase is so important that it's repeated twice in this portion of Scripture, once in verse 5, once in verse 7. See, if God is the one who chose the day and time you were born, and, the, and he knows the date and time that you will die, then your time is ultimately his time. And you were alive for such a time as this. 
Therefore, we need to be accountable to God to the point of accounting for our days, accounting for even our hours and our minutes. I love what Moses prayed and what is written in Psalm 90 verse 12 where it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, those who actually number their days and most, make the most of their days here on earth, they are wise people. The last thing you want to do is come to the very end of your life and realize that you've lived thoughtlessly all these years. Think through what you're doing every day and does it connect with God? Does it connect with his kingdom purposes? The Roman philosopher Seneca, he wrote, it is not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. Life is long enough, and a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements if it were all well invested. But when it is wasted in heedless luxury and spent on no good activity, we are forced at last by death's final constraint to realize that it has passed away before we even knew it was passing. So how do you make every day count? You give careful thought to your ways. Build his kingdom. Don't build your own kingdom. Seek God in prayer about ways that you can better manage your time. And I promise you that if you talk to God about your time, that he will expose to you and show you the areas where you're weak. He'll show you where you're mismanaging things and you can get your life in order. You can manage your time well. Secondly, today, the second quotation I want to bring to you is busy with your own house. Verses 9 to 11, the scripture says, you expected much, but see, it turned out little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, the earth its crops. I call for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. You notice the I word? God's doing this. Busyness can be a positive and a negative trait. It can be considered a positive trait as opposed to laziness. Busyness is good. It may be considered a negative trait as opposed to rest. And there are good, bad types of busyness. But there is a busyness that can keep us away from God and the things of God. You see, I know I should read my Bible, but there are other things that I want to read first before I meditate on God's word. I, I, I know I should spend time in prayer, but there are other conversations that I want to first have before I pray and talk to God. I, I know I should attend and serve in my church, but there, there is somewhere else I would prefer to be right now. Those are just a few of many excuses we can make. And busyness often prioritizes what you want to do and that it reprioritizes what you ought to do. What exactly did God mean when he rebuked the Israelites for being busy with their own houses? Was it that they should not have a house at all? Or was it that they should not maintain their houses? No, that's, that's not what God is saying. God is not asking them to live in a cardboard box and figure things out. 
Amen. (laughs) The temple symbolized the dwelling presence of God in the midst of his people. And in a time when God's temple needed to be rebuilt, his people had rebuilt their own houses while his house remained in ruins. So how do we apply the scripture to our lives today in our present time? And you might be asking or thinking in your head, Pastor, WPA is not in ruins like the temple of the Lord. So this is not about a building campaign. (laughs) Surely God does not want us to build him another house. In fact, it was Stephen in Acts 7, 48, later Paul in Acts 17, 24, who said the same thing and reminded us that God does not live in temples made of human hands. Let me just say something for a moment. This place is not sacred. I know in seasons past, we've treated this place with great respect and we should continue to do so. This is just a building. Now, what makes it sacred is when you and I gather in this place. Because where two or three are gathered, God is present in our midst. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us. That's the presence of the Lord coming and meeting us in this place. Because those are his promises. He wants to meet with you and me. And this building facilitates that meeting for us. But there is nothing, I mean, we've dedicated this building to the Lord for his purposes, of course. But there is nothing sacred like a temple about this place. You know why? Because you are the church. Because you are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Because God lives in you. So how do we apply the scripture to our lives on a personal level? We need to busy ourselves with what is happening inside of us by caring for our own souls. What do I mean by that? The physical house of a temple is replaced with the spiritual house indwelling a physical heart. You need to get your heart in order. You need to make sure it's working correctly, that it is a place for the Lord to dwell in and reside within. But on a corporate or collective level, we need to busy ourselves with the gathering of believers, but also the mission of the church, which goes beyond the four walls of this place. It goes into the cities and the streets and where we live in our neighborhoods and our workplaces. See, the gathering may be one day a week, but the the mission is every day of our lives. So what is the purpose of the gathering of believers? We talked about this briefly last Sunday, but according to Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let me repeat it quickly, that we gather to spur one another onward. That's why we gather here. As you leave today, you better feel spurred on. That's the goal. Feel spurred on to go out and do what God has called you to do. Scripture says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Towards what? Towards love And good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So as you leave this place, you go out on mission with love. You go out on mission with good deeds. And you come and you leave encouraged. And now you can be an encouragement to somebody else. According to 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 to 2, we gather in order to meet tangible needs. 
In the scripture, it says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside some sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This is about an offering, a special offering for people who are in need in another place. According to Acts 20, we gathered to do something we did today. We participated in communion. And right now, the word of God is being taught to you. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, breaking bread, communion. And Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. So what does that mean? Yeah, you guys are trapped now. We locked the doors. <laughs> You're online forever. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not going to preach until midnight, but there would be good license for some preacher to abuse that text and say, yeah, now I can hold you captive till midnight. <laughs> you see, God wants us to be busy doing the right things, to be busy doing his things. And he wants us to be busy about his house, not our house, to be busy with building his kingdom instead of building our kingdom. And friends, we need to check ourselves in this area of our lives. Whose kingdom are we building? Are people coming to know Jesus? Are we sharing the gospel with people? Are we sharing our testimony? Are, are we rubbing shoulders with people who do not know Jesus? Let's build the kingdom of God together. Thirdly, this morning, the third quotation is stirred up the spirit. Stirred up the spirit Verses 12 to 15, we read, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. Come on, what great words are that? Simple but powerful. I am with you. I'm with you in whatever you do and wherever you go. I am with you, declares the Lord. Here's, here's where you need to focus. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shethil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. I want you to notice this morning the way God's people responded to his message delivered through the prophet Haggai. You see, in the middle of verse 12, we read that the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. We need to obey the voice of the Lord. If we are recipients today of this same message, as we read Haggai chapter 1 for ourselves, same message, different context, there's something for us to obey. Will we obey or will we disobey? See, some are willing to obey God as long as he speaks directly to them, as long as he speaks an audible voice to them, as long as there's a prophetic word given to them. But we must be willing to obey God even when he speaks through someone else. And God was speaking through Haggai to the people. And this was obedience to both his voice, but also the message of Haggai. 
And then at the end of verse 12, we read that the people feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. This was not a fear as in I am afraid of God. This is an awe and reverence for the Lord, recognizing that he's a holy God, and this holy God is now with us. We obey God, not because of fear, but because we recognize who he is, that he is not only Lord over our lives, but he is also Lord over our time. When the people of God obeyed and feared the Lord, I tell you something extraordinary happened. If you and I, if we would just obey the voice of the Lord, if you and I would just fear God a little bit more in our lives, I really believe on this Pentecost Sunday that God would do something extraordinary in our church. You see, God stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah. God stirred up the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And God could have stopped there, just stirring up the leadership alone of the, the group of people. But there were more people that God wanted to stir up. And I have a message for you today. On this Pentecost Sunday, God wants to stir you up with his Holy Spirit. Okay, am I at the right church? God wants to stir you up. Amen. God wants to stir you up. I really believe it. He stirred up the whole remnant of people. And what happened as a result of that was that they commenced the work on the house of the Lord. You see, the Lord had stopped them from working. His blessing wasn't upon it because they hadn't surrendered their ways and their time to him. But now that they had and they were willing to, here is God saying, I will use you, I will empower you, I will equip you so you can do everything that I've commanded you to do. Here's the reality, friends. You cannot stir yourself up. I wish you could. And I can't stir you up. I wish I could. But only God can stir you up to do what he has called and purposed you to do with your time. Only God can do it. You see, when apathy sets in, you will tell yourself that your most productive days are behind you. That is the voice of apathy in your life. That your best days were behind you. And you will settle into sleep. And you will settle into slumber. And you may be awake in the physical, but you're actually asleep in the spirit. Have any of you ever left your house for work uh, maybe you're driving a car or you're on a bus and then suddenly you find yourself having arrived at work and you don't realize how you kind of got there. Happens to me all the time. The scientific word for that experience is automatic, automatic, uh, or habituation, automatic, that's the idea, or habituation. And, and, you know, like, it's a really cool thing that thankfully we get there safely. But let me just say this. You cannot live or stay in that state of mind. You cannot just cruise control your way through life. See, to be stirred up in the spirit is to be roused awake, to become alert and aware of what God is doing in your life. And when God stirs up your spirit... He tells you something different than the voice of apathy. He tells you that your most productive days are ahead of you. Not behind you, ahead of you. I just want to speak to those people who may be retired today. 
Some of you might say, my, my days of serving the Lord, my days of serving and doing things for God, those are my, they're in my past. I just want to encourage you today. Your best days are still ahead of you. God has more things that he would have you do if you would just obey the voice of the Lord. If you would just fear God, he can use you. He'll use you in ways he never thought, you never thought you could be used. Because there is much work to be done. But if we're going to partner with God in building his house and building his kingdom, we need to obey. We need to fear him. We need to be stirred in our spirit so that we actually want to give him our time. We're not being forced to give him our time. And that's the change of heart that we need. It's not, oh, I have to go to church. Not, oh, no, now I have to serve, and it's going to be a long evening tonight. I'm really tired. No, it's I get to serve. I love his house. I love my church. As the worship team comes and we come to a conclusion this morning, I want to share a picture with you. It's a picture of a ticker watch. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Through a simple calculation and questionnaire, you can determine an estimate of your life expectancy or when death may occur. This number is then entered into the ticker watch and so begins a countdown of your estimated life expectancy. Nobody buy me one of these. Okay? The purpose is to remind you that time is your most valuable asset and to waste it is to waste your life. You can use this finite asset in the best possible way, whether it's finding a new job, exercising, eating a healthier diet, losing weight, reducing stress, or whatever it is you want to change in your life. And you do not have to regret not doing those things you should have done or should be doing. Now, you might have great genes, you might have some healthy habits, you might have great dreams and live a long, long life. Unfortunately, your life may also be cut short due to an unfortunate accident or a rare disease that no amount of money or highly trained physicians can cure. Being cautious about life can be good as long as that caution doesn't prevent you from experiencing the wonderful things that life has to offer. We must remember that it's called life expectancy, not death expectancy. Ticker believes the fulfilling life is about taking chances, setting goals, leading a healthy lifestyle, and seeing what the world has to offer. They want and encourage you to lead a life you never thought was possible. And the ticker watch is not just about life expectancy and the attempt to change it's about the attempt to change your entire life. This morning, I'm selling ticker watches in the foyer. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Two for 99.99, you know. And wait, if you buy in the next five minutes, <laughs> I'm not selling you a watch. I'm not. Neither... Am I trying to gimmick you into something today? You don't need a watch to remind you to make your life count and to make the most of your time. You don't need that. You simply need the Word of God. If you read this book cover to cover, meditate on it day and night, 
if you try to live the principles that are in this word, I promise you that you will live a blessed life. It won't be easy. It won't be perfect. But the Lord will be with you. The Lord will journey with you through the tough seasons. He will bring you through to the other side. Yes, life might be cut short. Maybe you'll live a really long life. I don't know, but he knows. He already knows your days. He's already numbered them for you. And all he asks you to do is to live according to his word. You simply need to give careful thought to your ways, not just today, but every day. You simply need to busy yourself with God's house, God's agenda, instead of your own house and your own agenda, not just today, every day. You simply need to let God stir up your spirit, not just today, every day. And who knows what the Lord can do through you if your life is surrendered to him, if he would have your time, oh, the things God could do. Friends, it's our time management that is holding us back from doing everything God wants us to do. Let's break through this morning. Let's come to the other side of that today. And let's constantly remind ourselves that our time is precious. You know, the Bible says life is like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next. But here's what I know is that God has a plan and he wants to use you in it. If you just surrender your time and sacrifice it to him as an offering pleasing to the Lord. Amen? Amen.